Talking about what's new with Los Angeles Clippers There's always so much to discuss Let's jump right in It's LA Clips Forum It's LA Clips Forum with Jesse and Brian How's it going, Clipper Nation? This is the LA Clips Forum. I am your host, Brian Andrew. I'm here with my co-host, Jesse Sandoval. What's up, guys? How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing pretty good. Um went and got a christmas tree they're pretty expensive i is recommend that, is, getting a plastic tree <laughs> is, is is it inflation or is it they're always expensive <laughs> i feel like trent would know i bet you there's a trent takes on episode in the future about how expensive christmas trees are if not there should be yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a huge issue right now man he like, he he does he did an episode about uh holiday decorations and talked about trees a little bit in there, but I don't know. Maybe we'll get a full dedicated episode about Christmas trees and inflation or something like that. We need it, man. Like I, I went and um, I was looking at the trees and I went to this one. It was like really huge. It was really nice. And like, it was a part of a movie at one point. I was just like, this is it. And I go look at it and look at the price tag. They wanted 250 for, for, a, for a tree you're going to use for 20 days. Exactly. Wow. And they're like, oh, you know, that uh, that watering pot, that's lifetime warranty. I was like, okay. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> thank you. Like, like <laughs> is this one of those like like places that they basically put up a canopy and then like a little fence and stuff like that? So like, who are you going to return that to <laughs> Like, if it doesn't work? Exactly. And then like the girl that was like helping me out, like I brought my I brought my buddy Daniel uh, to help me like carry the tree uh, mm-hmm. into the apartment. Oh, we're into the truck and then we're going to take off. But uh, the girl's like, I got I got it. I got it. And I was like, no, no, I, I brought him. We're, we're, we'll do this. And he goes, mm-hmm. she goes, no, I got it. And she has a boot. She like she like broke her foot. And she's walking <laughs> a boot carrying this tree. And uh, I'm just, I look totally, totally helpless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could just picture you with uh, the watering thing. Uh, like in the middle of August, just in an empty parking lot, just waiting for that person to like uh, show up. So you'd be like, "Hey, this didn't pan out. Can I get a new one?" Like, <laughs> she's like, "You bring this next year, we'll give you, we'll, we'll replace it." Like, what? I'll How forget do... where this comes from. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know where I'm at right now. <laughs> I'm probably gonna throw it out with the tree. Like yeah. to be honest. <laughs> All right. So in terms of Clippers land, um. They went one and four over the last week. Um, I bet you, though, if you were to ask any Clippers fan, it's like, hey, you are going to lose four games this week and you could only win one. Everyone would choose the Laker game, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. OK. So. So in my opinion, if the universe was going to play out that way, I think everyone should be somewhat happy. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, currently the Clippers are 12 and 12. We're the fifth seed in the division as of this recording on Sunday. And the team that we lost to twice this week, the Kings are one game away from the play-ins. So either we help them out a ton or they're as good as maybe they might be. Um, that's somewhat of the wrap up of the week. We lost to the Warriors, which everyone, I, I, I kind of want to go in and how negative the Clipper community was this week, but We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I won't. But we lost to the Warriors. Then we lost to the Pelicans on the back-to-back. Lost to the Kings without Paul George. Beat the Lakers. 
And then we lost to the Kings on the back-to-back after Laker game. What are your thoughts on the week? I mean, it's bittersweet, I guess you can say. Um, I mean, I, I think you hit it right on the nail. I think if there was a game that we wanted to win, it'd probably be against the Lakers more than the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there were some bright spots in the games. Um, Morris looks completely healthy now. He looks more mobile. He's hitting threes. He looks like the, you know, how we were, we were talking earlier in the season that he was supposed to be the third best player on this team, and he looks like it now, and that's yeah. and that's comforting to know. We finally see that he's playing really well. Um, Serge Ibaka has been a little bit difficult for me to comprehend, I guess, <laughs> or I'm not too sure if that's the word, but uh, to find any good thing that I've seen in his play lately. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know if he's just still trying to, I don't know, get into the rhythm or get in the groove, get into the system since he's been out for so long. Um, but it's rough, you know. Uh, you definitely don't want to lose to the Kings, Pelicans, especially since those were supposed to be gimmies. But I think you said before the podcast, the the Kings game without Paul George, you know, you're asking – you're asking so much from from the Clippers team that's already, you know, down one of their best players. So to have both gone along with Nicholas Batum, it's just a tough task. Girl. Some people, and keep in mind, like if you're a younger person or you're kind of getting into basketball late in your life, you're, you tend, you probably entered around the Chris Paul era. And especially like that was very exciting basketball when like, the Lakers sucked and the Lops and Lop City was good, right? <laughs> that was very exciting basketball <laughs> in LA. But the Lake, I mean, the Clippers used to suck really bad. And I feel like for fans to to recognize, like, you know, when you don't have your best player and you also don't have Nick Batum, who without Kawhi is probably our second best player, and you're running a bunch of G League guys out there, you're you're asking the Clippers to win games that they're probably not supposed at that point. Remember when we were going into uh, a few episodes ago, like scheduled wins, scheduled losses in those 50, 50 games, like the Kings game became a schedule loss. Once we decided to let Paul or Paul George rest. I think we have this expectation because the canoes had so many good games last year that we were going to, you know, survive some of these games Paul George doesn't play in and stuff like that. But that's not – I don't think that's 100% the case. Like, we've dropped – we dropped games with Kawhi and Paul George on the team last year that we thought were gimmies, and they we lost those games too. So, I think it's just a long season. I think people are tired. We're doing five and sevens. We're, we're doing back-to-backs. We haven't won a second night of a back-to-back. And – a lot of Clipper fans were really negative after that Kings game. Now I'll admit like I'm watching the game and some things went well. And I was like, Oh, you know, and Brandon Boston played well. And then like, I'm watching the game and I, and Marcus Morris totally for, I don't know if this is a, a professional lingo, but uh, he played like trash. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, see, I was right about Marcus Morris <laughs> earlier in the season. And then he makes the the clutch shot against the Lakers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're good. Right. And I do feel like when it comes to like we're we're be- like like Trent says, we're a, we're a podcast by fans for fans. And I do think there was these emotional swings we have. 
and I try my best from being a Clippers fan for 20 plus years at this point of being able to just take the blows when they come and then hopefully we get out of these situations um, and hopefully and the thing is uh, we'll get into this in a little bit, but Nick Batum's going to – he's back in the gym, so I don't know if he's going to be back for the Monday night game, but he's going to be back soon. And at that point, knock on wood, and I want the fans to hear the wood, we'll be at our as, – as healthy as we could get without Jason Preston and Kawhi, right? Yeah. That's as healthy wow. as we're going to get. It's weird because uh, the way you felt about Marcus Morris – are we talking about the second game against the Kings? The first game against the Kings, okay. Marcus Morris played like absolute but. And then uh, he played much better against the Lakers. And then against the Kings as well, again. I think he played really well in that second game. I mean, he had 21 points. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> the way you felt about Marcus Morris is how I felt about Paul George um, last night's game. Uh, I mean, the careless turnovers, especially in the game, so close. Like, it was a little frustrating to watch. Like, he, just, he was just forcing things. I don't know if it was just like <clears> – <throat> I hope it's fatigue. That's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was overall just a rough game. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, I mean, was he 0 for 7 in that in that game on the field goal percentage? I th- he's, it seems like he's going to be transitioning to the bench now. We're getting a little bigger in our lineup. Maybe Batum will be in the line, starting lineup. I have no idea. But it seems like this Eric Bledsoe-Harnstein combination, it's still early in the process. But I've seen some signs that I like what I see. But it, it – yeah, adding to your point though, I'm kind of getting to the point where I want to see Paul George have the ball less and having somebody else kind of figure out the but I'm not getting to the point where I'm like, this is why we need like a rondo. Like I know <laughs> I'm not I'm not there yet because we still need think, a facilitator. I still think Paul George having the ball does help at times because he does create a lot of attraction, but, and and like I said, that attraction helped against the Lakers. Right. And I don't know if that is the Lakers being bad on defense and Paul George finding Kennard for those clutch shots, or is it that like, Paul George at times is really good when he's when he gets a rest, right? He didn't play the Sacramento game, and then he was resting mm-hmm. for the Laker game. He didn't shoot well, but it seemed like he wasn't turning the ball over as much. Yeah. But then uh, then the Kings game the next night, I was like, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but those turnovers late in the game against the, against the Sacramento Kings, I don't think he was getting doubled in those possessions. I mean, yeah. in the game against the Lakers, he was getting doubled. So he knew there was a man open, and he was looking for that man. What what I noticed against the Warriors game, which that's when our turnovers were the absolute crappest. I don't know if that's a word. Um, they were pretty bad against the Pelicans too. Is they were allowing our players to dribble into the paint, but the other defenders are staying home. They're not collapsing. So you see, that's why like Steph Curry looks like a magician on defense all of a sudden. And I'll admit he's improved, but I still don't think he's an all defensive player by any margin he he would stay home so paul george or reggie jackson or eric bledsoe terrence mann will drip especially terrence mann like terrence mann's been a little frustrating to watch but at the same time mm-hmm. i'm being patient because he scored 39 points against the jazz uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like a lot of like and i know that sounds ridiculous but he is the 
he he is the best player in the most important game in NBA in our in franchise history. Like we have to remember that. Yeah, so, I won't argue that one. So, so Paul George would dribble in the middle, and then everyone's staying home, and they're forcing these passes because I feel like that's what they want to do. They want to pass it out to these three point shooters and stuff like that. But everyone's staying home, so you're just basically throwing it to the defender because the defender's between the shooter and Paul George or Reggie Jackson or Terrence Mann at that point, and they're just getting easy steals. And I feel like our defense played really well against the Warriors, and then it played pretty awful against the Pelicans. <clears throat> there needs to be better decision making in terms of like if you're going to dribble in the paint. To be honest, you should probably try to go up instead of trying to pass it out all the time you have to make the defense and the paint respect that you're going to take it to the hole instead of like because if if 80 percent of the time you're trying to pass it out the defense is going to stay home and they're just going to take that and they're just going to all right thank you for the easy interception and we're going to go on a fast break now so it i feel like the kings are the kings started to do that as well like in the second game they kind of started to stay home a little bit and if these defenses start to become more disciplined then we need to be more aggressive but then at the same time we're also extremely fatigued and it's hard to be aggressive when you're fatigued so mm-hmm. we are in a tough position offensively i feel like our defense has been fine this week like it's been the worst it's been all season but i feel like it's been fine like it kind of makes you feel like you're still in some games that we really weren't in mm-hmm. but it's it is what it is on offense it's just it's difficult and hopefully when we get Batum, there'll be better spacing better yeah. decision making and stuff like that yeah and yeah it's gonna be pretty interesting um <clears throat> the first game against the kings i thought was a uh, really rough for the first or first three quarters and the fourth quarter was actually pretty interesting pretty interesting and uh entertaining i guess i mean we we're i was texting you i felt like uh i was basically saying like i was just i think i was just a person you didn't want to be around with <laughs> like, i was just super negative i was really uh getting exhausted by this clippers team and then the you know the q news came in the g league players came in and you know made it competitive and it was interesting to watch i mean i, I think that's where everyone started chiming in that brandon boston may need some more minutes and it was fun to see that he's actually getting those minutes. So, right. I, I got a I got a hot take question for you. Okay. Because Kennard, and I think like after the Laker game, everyone's gonna say, and I think he played okay against the Kings too. Kennard proved that he's a really good, you know, clutch shooter. Right. I was gonna, but before that game. And since we do the podcast in the weekend, like I, I wasn't able to ask this on the podcast until now, but I was going to make the take. I was like, do you think Brandon Boston is actually the best shooter on the team? Like, I'm not saying there's a lot of his game that we're like, eh, we're not a fan of, right? Like he can do better defensively. Sometimes is sometimes you feel like he's not shooting the right shot. He's not on the same, he's not on the same page as everybody else is, but in terms of like when the ball's in his hand and he's gonna about it, he's about to shoot it. Who are you more confident that the ball's gonna go in? Is it him or Kennard? Kennard. <laughs> oh, okay. Because there, nah, there was there Kennard. was moments in that Kings game where I, I was watching, I was like, man, every time Boston got the ball and he had somewhat of an easy, easy like look at the basket, I was like, well, that's the automatic basket. And 
that's why he scored 42 points or 46 points in a G League game, dude. So <laughs> no, yeah. And I'm not saying uh Brandon Boss is not, you know, fantastic at all. I mean, oh, he's, right. he's he's a great addition to the Clippers team. You know, he does add scoring and you know, like you mentioned, his uh, uh his effort on, on the defensive end has greatly improved. And uh and I think he he can be that player that's probably the best shooter, but as of right now, I trust if I'm looking for a clutch three. I'm looking at Kennard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or or Isaiah Hardenstein, you know, one of the, one of those two. Isaiah Hardenstein did make a clutch three this week. It was one – or was it – yeah, I think it was this week. It was, like, at the very end of the game. Uh, we we were, we lost, but <laughs> <laughs> but he made it. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, because I, I, I see a lot of what we lost in Lou Will in Brandon Boston's game. And no, we'll, I can see that. Yeah, that's a good, and, that's a good but take. Right I, there. He's just not there yet. Like, he's not NBA there yet, but I think he once he kind of gets there, maybe by next season, or maybe if it's, he's forced to, maybe by the end of this season. I, I it, It's interesting to watch because I do think, like, I know this might be thinking too far ahead, but he might be someone that we're like, this is an automatic person in our rotation next year. You know, we're not going to be signing and bringing in players because we already have a rotation player in Brandon Boston. But we'll see. Mm. You know, we'll see how the season goes. Yeah. And one thing I like about Brandon Boston that is confidence in a shot. Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's not afraid to shoot it. No, not uh, at all. And that's probably where we kind of want Keon to get to is just like, because if we think Keon has a de- decent mid range, he has a decent, he's decent at getting to the basket. Uh, and he plays pretty damn good. He's actually, I think, NBA ready defensively, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. But once he gets the confidence going, I think that's when we're like, if we could get Keon and Brandon Boston on the same page, and they're and they're our backs out of a rotation next season, mm-hmm. oh, that that would be. Beautiful what do you thing. think? What do you think is the <clears throat> going on with Terrence Mann these last couple of games? You think he has too much confidence in himself, or you think? Okay. All right, I'll be honest with you. All right. In my lifetime of watching basketball, it's actually I've never seen a player hesitate so much and play well. It's just something that I've never seen until Terrence Mann did it well last year. Like he was, he would hesitate, and uh, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he would be like, "I'm going to take five seconds to shoot this three, but people left him open, and he he sometimes does it. Like sometimes, um. I'm pretty confident, like, if he's got an open shot, that I think he'll make it. I, I'm still there. Like, maybe I'm still on that Utah Jazz high. But I, I do think he's he's that. I just think his decision-making at times is a little questionable. And sometimes he'll go to the – like, he'll go 110% to the basket and then at, at the last second decide, I don't know what I'm doing now. And then – and we saw that last year in the yeah. Dallas Mavericks playoff game where he passed it up when you couldn't just score a layup or dunked it or something. Mm-hmm. So his decision-making, and I think right now everything's under a microscope of like, hey, the margin of error is just not there. Like you you need to make better decisions. You need to be playing better defense. You can't be fouling three-point shooters. Yeah, The margin of error change. I think that the thing with Terrence Mann is not necessarily Terrence Mann. I think it's our perspective and expectation of Terrence Mann that's changed, not necessarily him. Okay, that's good. 
That's a good point. You know, the reason why I was saying like too much confidence was like there was like I think it was the Kings game. He was getting offensive rebounds a couple times, and instead of like kicking it out, you know, to the three point line, reset the offense. You know, reset the offense. He just Mm -hmm. grabs it and then like he hesitates and then he puts it back up just to hit the front rim and you know, right. And and sometimes he'll pump fake, and I get it because you're undersized, you should pump fake, but. Everyone knows they're gonna pump fake at this point. You're like they they've watched the Terrence Mann game before, you know. Like it's not like you've never played on the court, like maybe it was last year. Let's so because like you know, when Doc Rivers was the coach, he threw a player out there who never played. A lot of players, well, I don't know what this guy's gonna do, you know, and that's what Terrence Mann had had for us a little bit last year, because it's like, well, this guy never played for Doc, so we'll see. Now people know what he could do because he's obviously the best player in Clippers history. So it they know he's going to pump fake. And sometimes I'm like, you grab the offensive rebound, just go up hard and go into like, I know there's new foul rules, but that's mainly for shooters. I believe if you're still underneath the basket and you go through the center's arms, you're going to get the foul call. Now I understand sometimes we don't and it gets frustrating, but I believe that's the right call. Like, yeah, pass it back out, but you should know when you grab the rebound to pass it back out. Like, I think that's going back to the hesitation decision-making mm-hmm. thing is sometimes you need to grab an offensive rebound and know exactly what the hell you're going to do with it when you come back down to the ground. You're either going to go right back up or you're going to pass it back out. But sometimes he was thinking about four different things at once. And it's just like, dude, like, just you got you to gotta kind of stick to it. And I'd rather have you make – a bad decision on your first attempt at making that bad decision, then get stuck with the basketball because you didn't make any decision. And I feel like that happens more so than anything, but because the times where he's making no decisions, he's still throwing the ball away because he's like, Oh damn, I didn't want to score this layup. Let me pass it back. Oh, four warriors players are still there. My bad. You know, and I think that's my thing. But the thing is, I'm I'm pretty patient with them. I'm pretty patient with all these players. There's not yeah, you really a, you are patient. You're there's not patient. There's, there's not a player. The, the the be honest, the most frustrating player to watch, and this is the, this is someone I'm really patient for, is probably Paul George. <laughs> like, because <laughs> it's just like, come on, like it's just one of those things where I'm like, but the thing is. Do you coach through the fatigue or do you kind of just I feel like if I was a coach, which obviously I'm not, there'd be moments where I'd be, you know what, let's let somebody else, let's let Paul George take a couple possessions off on offense. I would kind of coach that, but I don't know, like if if you're in a win now mode, it's kind of hard to take the best player on your team out of the offense for a couple possessions. Yeah, that's that's uh, tough. Because I feel like with Mook, you know, being back and integrated into the system again, I feel like he should be the player to give Paul George that rest. And you know, for a couple of those plays and mm-hmm. last two games, it feels like he has been able to fulfill that. Um, but yeah, it's two tough losses. But like you said, you're pretty patient. I'm not gonna lie. I myself was really annoyed, frustrated. I was about to call over Lawrence Frank, tell him to trade it, Serge Ibaka, get him the hell out of there. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> thing is, the, the thing is, like, 
I wouldn't be when I, for example, like when I was talking about Zoo being traded at the beginning of the season, it was not because I think Zoo sucks. I think Zoo is a great center. Yeah, you're just trying to get another talent. You're just trying to get more talent. Into the team. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, he he might be our most tradable asset because he's young. He's a really he's he's a really good center and he has a really good contract. So I was like, we could survive maybe with Ibaka and Hartenstein. That's that was my yeah. take. Now that Ibaka is getting back into the swing of things, like if he had five, there's moments where I feel like his length is really good. Like he's putting his hands up and he's, he, he's blocking some shots there and there. Uh, there was moments where he put his hands up and LeBron would miss a shot. I don't know if that's more LeBron missing the shot than Ibaka playing a uh, all-star defense. No, no, I give Ibaka that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. There, there is moments where I'm thinking to myself, like I like the way Ibaka stretches the the court better than Hartenstein and Ibaka, I mean uh, Zubak. But at at there is moments where I I have to agree with you where I'm. Do we need three centers? And if we were to take one center out, I think me and you would both agree. I'm like technically it'd be Ibaka. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would be. All right, like what can we get for him? But the thing is, like, if we can't get anything for him, then just keep him. Yeah, but, no, I understand. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think see, we have a conversation with Trent, right? You know, you can't just like say like trade a Baca. Like, who the who the hell wants a Baca? You know, that's the <laughs> You're right. Who who wants more is when his knee's not working, right? But when he starts making, when he starts shooting forty percent from three, then we could consider. Hey, maybe he's tradable now, but then do you want to trade a 40% three-point shooter when he's yeah. you know? I think that's where we're at is the wind. And I feel like the Clippers have already uh messed up that window of like when a player's mm-hmm. playing well, let's trade him. And that was with Lou Williams, right? I think Lou mm-hmm. Williams had a great game against the Spurs, and then the next day he was traded. And it's just like, man, like yeah, but I wanna I wanna reel that back in a whole take right there. Cause I, I kind of want to see how Serge Ibaka looks with Nicholas Batum back in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious to see if they ever had a lineup with Nicholas Batum. Uh, I only say that because I got I get pretty frustrated because I mean you you say he puts his hands up in the key and I appreciate that, but when you're outside in the perimeter and someone's gonna take a three, put your damn hand put your damn hands up too, you know, like right. you just don't like oh okay I'm gonna let him shoot, you know. Like, I, I I and this is where I agree with you a little bit is. When we play two centers, which for well, it seems like we've been doing that a lot lately because of injuries and stuff like that. When we play two centers, Ibaka now needs to kind of play like a like a forward at this point. You need to move a little better. You need to put your hands up a little better. We're not putting you in there because it's not like we're gonna have Zubak on the perimeter. We're we're basically asking you to be on the perimeter at this point. And I see what you mean. Like you need to put your hands up, not be afraid someone's gonna get past you, stuff like that. You just got you got to kind of just go out there and play fast a little faster and i kind of see what you you're getting at is the thing is when ibaka's playing the five then i have a little bit more patience in terms of like he shouldn't be out on the perimeter yeah no i I agree that but when he when he's playing the four it's not going to be zubak so it better be you (laughs) and (laughs) yeah i I get i see where you're coming from with that especially in the king's game that's where we first saw him at the four and not, well, he did play for Einstein a little bit, but I mean, like he started at the four against the Kings, and then he started. He's been starting ever since then, right? He's been starting, mm-hmm. and he's been in every starting lineup since then. Yeah. I believe I believe Batum's going to take him out of the starting lineup. 
But I am a little nervous having Batum and Morris play together because I feel like they both kind of play the same position. But mm-hmm. we are without Kawhi, so it's gonna it's gonna need to happen regardless. And Tyler's gonna have to figure out how to make everything in jail together, um, which I have no doubt that he will. Um, it's just whether we'll win games. <laughs> well, well, can I? Can I? I'm gonna throw this. So I'm in a fantasy football league. It's not the one we're in together, but I'm in another one and. I had Kyler Murray, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, CMC, and Kamara all injured at the same time, and those are my four best players. So I'm just picking up players on my waiver wire to pl- just plug in and just to make sure I have players in there, and I'm barely scoring 80 points a week. I'm getting blown out, and now I'm going to miss the playoffs because I waited too long to trade somebody. And that's kind of how I feel with Ty Lue right now. He's just like – I don't know. We gave Paul George a rest. Uh, Nick Batum's out. We just got Morris and Ibaka back, and they're obviously playing slow. I, you know, I'm just playing the players that I have out there. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> that, that, that's kind of how I feel where Ty Lue's at right now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, I can see it in his face. That's what it says. <laughs> uh, getting like the face in, he has on the side court. On the court side. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, getting into one of our narratives though is kind of piggybacking on that we kind of touched on it is nick Batum's back in the gym it looks like we're gonna have nick soon so how do you feel do you feel like the team's gonna be much better or do you think it's gonna be a little bit of the same without nick Batum, i think okay with or without nick Batum, i feel like this this team's gonna look a lot better because one they're not on a back-to-back they're gonna have some rest and uh mm-hmm. I, I feel like we should win this game if there's no damian lillard regardless if we have nicholas Batum. i mean cj mccullen can always pop off but I mean, it's going to take a lot more than C.J. McCollum to uh, take this team, take down the Clippers, I think, um, especially the way Mook and Kennard has been, have been playing. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really too concerned. I, I think that I think that's a dub, definitely. So the Clippers play on Wednesday against the Celtics, and then they have two days off. They have Thursday, Friday off, and then they play the Magic on Saturday. So the Saturday game's a noon game, so that's stupid. <laughs> but and then we get Sunday off, and then we play the then we play the Suns. So <clears throat> it seems like we're gonna get a little bit more rest this week. Yeah. Um. So we'll hopefully that kind of helps us out a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if Ty Lue sees that Damian Lillard is not out, I'm pretty sure he's not gonna rush Nicholas Batum to be back on on a Monday. I think he might wait till the Celtics game. To be honest, right? Give him some more rest. Because there is a conditioning aspect of this. Yeah, you you haven't played in 10 days. You've been, I don't know what the symptoms were, but you might have been sick. You know, you got to get your, you got to get some conditioning back in before you come back. That's, that, that's happened to other players in the NBA. I know it's a little different for LeBron James, uh, but that's, (laughs) that's how it's worked for other players. That was a really odd way to get a rest day, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you know what? Well, uh, do you, do you think like tinfoil cap, do you think he was just like, you know what? I need a rest day, but we, I don't have any injuries. Hey, let's just say I have COVID. And then they're like, you're going to have to be out for 10 days. And he's like, no, I got that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I I believe you. I think that's possible. So me and you disagree about a little thing. And it's, it's, it's not a big disagreement because me and you both agree the Lakers are a rivalry, right? We both agree the Clippers versus Lakers rivalry is real. I the, I believe though that it's more fan base. I was gonna say fa- fan base based, 
but I don't. <laughs> I was like, that, that, I should have just said that. Now, now it yeah. sounds weird. <laughs> uh, and you believe it is a little bit on the court as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because my take in it is I feel like the Lakers versus Clipper games are always more so for the fans. Like, the, you know, the Clippers Twitter, Lakers Twitter, uh, just fans, fans in general, Laker fans going to Clipper games because that's all they could afford because, you know, Laker tickets are expensive, stuff like that. And I believe there is this hostility between the fan bases, but I feel like the games are a little bit more calm. <laughs> like, I guess I'll put it that way. Oh, and so that- you're... They're not. So are as, you seeing? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say they're just not as intense as like when we play the Mav, the Mavs, or when we play the Warriors or these other teams. I don't know. I feel like they do get pretty intense. I mean, um, unless you're looking for like a chippy game, you know, to be uh, you know, evidence of a rivalry between two teams. I guess you don't really see that with the with the Lakers, but I mean, there's always been subtle shots, you know, like here and there when Kawhi went came to LA, you know, with the crown on his, uh, on his keychain. everyone mm-hmm. interpreting that as like, you know, the real King of LA and not LeBron James. Right. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that LeBron James didn't get kind of annoyed by that. And, you know, like, <clears throat> I mean, kind of want to prove a point when he, when he plays against the Clippers. Um, and then you have Kendrick Nunn, you know, posting on, you know, on a post. <laughs> Wait till I come back. Like, who, who's this guy? <laughs> Laker fans googling who Kendrick Nunn is. <laughs> uh, I was like, the dude, the, the the amount of confidence this guy has, like, to say that, hey, when I'm back, I'm I I am the difference maker on this team. I was like, I I, I do think there's something there. Like, I'm I'll give you that because you know Russell Russell Westbrook's comments earlier. You know, like uh, when he said, um, "Do you want to be traded to Clippers?" And I forgot what he said, but he said no. I guess. Oh yeah. And then now he's a Lakers problem. Um, <laughs> and I and and I I do believe in the past LeBron has mentioned that he would never play for the Clippers or something of that nature. I could be wrong, but I believe someone's mentioned like, "Oh, would you go to the Clippers?" Because I believe we had cap space or something. Mm-hmm. And would you ever play for the Clippers? And it was like, no, right. And so, yeah, with the whole thing with Kawhi, like, you know, being rumored to go to the Lakers, and then all of a sudden he doesn't, and he's with the Clippers. And, and then you also saw the rumor with Westbrook and PG, and then Westbrook and Kawhi, and then... So, 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 so there is something there, and I do believe, like, the games do mean a little bit, like, like I said, like, you know, Kennard pumping his chest when he, you know, clutch Kennard, but basically the best player to ever come out of Ohio. Mr. Point. Ohio, he, man. He, he surpassed LeBron James. I don't think it's even a question. LeBron probably acknowledges it. The state of Ohio acknowledges it. <laughs> NBA analysts acknowledge it. I'm sure Kendrick Perkins probably said it on ESPN. I don't watch him, but I'm sure he said, like, Kendrick, Luke Kennard is the best player to ever come out of Ohio. I don't think it's even debatable at this point. But just, just in case it is, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, LeBron being a really good basketball player and all that, and it's and you know Kawhi being also in the top three, and then so like you know this little mini. But the thing is, like even when the Clippers were on top, it's, I don't know. It just to me, I feel like all the narratives are narratives built around the teams and not by the teams. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about like in the past when you know Lakers weren't that competitive, uh, weren't that much of a competitive team during Lob City era. I don't really feel like there was a huge rivalry. I think it's more so right now with the current state of the both teams, you know, both teams are talented. 
Um, both teams have players that have egos, <laughs> I guess. Right. Not, I shouldn't say egos, but, you know, really confidence in themselves. And I'm pretty sure they all – it's it's hard for me to believe they they don't see this game and they don't mark on the calendar saying, like, you know, we got to beat this – we got to beat this team. I, I, I'll be honest. It, I'll probably delete this episode and be like, have a totally new take if we, like, had a play-in game against them or something like that. Because I, I think for me – and it's not like all that all rivalries are built in the playoffs, but we've never had a game where I feel like something was on the line. It's always just bragging rights for their fan bases. Yeah. And, but I do believe like now, now that I'm going to take a step back and be, because to be honest with you, although I feel that way, because I always feel like it's Laker fans and Clipper fans being chippy with each other. There is subtle things that the franchises do do like, mm-hmm saying hey we're not going to play in a hockey arena anymore that's your guys's thing we're going to play in a basketball arena your team plays in a hockey arena our team plays in the basketball arena we'll be able to say that in 2024 yeah um being that you know we're frustrated that we're the third tenant so we're gonna move you know like we're, we didn't try to make the staple center thing work you know there wasn't like a collaboration to the like, okay this is i've always had this opinion that Clipper and Laker games should never be home and away games because technically they're not. They should be neutral site games and they should like make the court a neutral court and it should just be Clippers versus Lakers. I've always had that opinion. Like, I was just like, why? And I always felt that that they should do that when it's like the Jets versus the Giants in football. Like, they played in the same stadium, you know. I don't know too much about this, but I was going to kind of cater to my point a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is the Nets versus the Knicks a rivalry? I think so. Yeah. Like, dude, because I'm like, because I know like they're technically new to the New York area, even though New Jersey is relatively close as well. And it's a Knicks town. It's a Knicks city. But I know the Nets have been somewhat popular and it's kind of the same story, right? Like right when the, you know, the Knicks are not very good. And then all of a sudden, this other new team that wants to say like, Hey, we're part of this city as well. And all of a sudden they're good, but both teams have relatively been bad <laughs> for good portions of this last decade. So I don't yeah. know like where the rivalry is there. So, you know, it's hard for me to say on that one. Cause you know, yeah. I, I like to think there is a rivalry, but I think that's mainly because of Katie's like a uh, free agency, you know, mm-hmm. like, he chose the New York Giants. Uh, New York Giants. <laughs> <He's playing laughs> <football team. laughs> like, that's, that's not Daniel Jones. <laughs> Katie's just like, oh, <laughs> he has the giant. The Giants didn't make the playoffs because Katie had a missing year. <laughs> um, but I just think, just in general, you, you share like a you share a location with each other, it's hard for you not to think that the other team is not a rivalry because you want to be the, pri- the the dominant team. You want to be the – whatever. when everyone thinks about that city, they want to think of that team, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? Like, when yeah, I think I Los Angeles, I, you know, I'm pretty sure – Clippers play so that way they can beat them so that everyone realizes we're the better team. When we think of Los Angeles, you should be thinking about the Clippers, but in reality, it's the Lakers, unfortunately, because of their history. Yeah. And, and and history, I think, does play into it. And I believe like you could you could say like 
the Grizzlies and the Clippers are in the lopsided era. There's history there because of playoff matchups and stuff like that. Then you have the Jazz are now kind of in that Clippers history as well, but they're not on the same level right now as I think the Mavs are with the Clippers. And I believe the Warriors still have that lingering Lob City rivalry because of the first round thing. The, the, the Warriors and the Clippers were playing right when the Donald Sterling thing hit. Um, and then all of a sudden the Warriors take off, the Clippers kind of fall down a little bit. And and you still, and then you have like Draymond Green getting Blake Griffin ejected from games and stuff like that. There's legit heat there. And I just think, although we share a city, although our fan bases hate each other. And I think that does make it a rub. So I'm not saying the Lakers and Clippers are not a rivalry, but I do think the rivalry is based on the fan bases and not necessarily that's what's on the court. Okay. Mm, I don't believe, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree with you. <laughs> and like, and like, and like I said, like all it, all, it, all it takes is, LeBron James not getting a charge call or something, and then all of a sudden it's a rivalry. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> there was like the a amount per- of like hands going up in the air for like every fucking driving right. he did. It was annoying. It's just like, like ref hit me in the shoulder, and then like you look at the slow <laughs> instant replay, and no one comes in contact. Just- <laughs> right. But there, there, um, my my favorite thing, which I gotta admit, at least the Lakers have this chemistry, and the Clippers have their own chemistry. When someone hits the floor, every single Clippers player goes to the player and tries to pick him up. Right. Whenever somebody gets called a foul on the Lakers, every Laker player goes to the ref and complains. I believe I gotta respect the chemistry there because although I don't agree with it, I gotta admit that like every every player on the Lakers is a unison. I feel like they had a team meeting, and LeBron said, "Hey, you know, you got to bitch about everything." And like, oh, I got it. I got it. I'll do that for now on. Thank you. Like Kendrick Nunn's like, I got it. I'll do that. And I do you think in the Laker locker room, someone went up to Kendrick Nunn and said, hey, dude, don't be putting posts out like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one cares or I, I'm pretty sure they encourage it, man. I'm telling you, I, I really think there is some competition between there's some some rivalry between them where. LeBron James has no issue with Kendrick Nunn's Kendrick Nunn's <laughs> Kendrick Nunn uh, done his comment on the on the IG post, but I think he needs to realize that he's not a difference maker at all. So, well, like I, we tweeted this, and um, winning seventeen championships is cool, but having Luke Kennard make two uh, clutch threes at the to secure game, chef's kiss, man. I'm just saying, uh, definitely, and and that's what the Clipper fan base lives for is those moments right there. And I think, like I, um, we mentioned this, um, us, us, me, us, and Trent did a podcast together for his podcast, and it'll be released at some point this month. And we mentioned it on there that the the thing about the Clippers fan base is we get behind every single player all the way down to sometimes the G League, and we just want everyone to do well and stuff like that. So hopefully this week the, the Clippers fan base could be a little bit more positive, hopefully. And I'll, I'll, I'm not going to get too hard on the fan base. Sometimes you need to give your fan base something to be positive about, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So uh, I'm not going to be too hard on the fan base, but sometimes I just I think you guys got to be a little bit more patient. Like, Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Breathe in, breathe out. Think of the context. Who are you missing? Right. Dwight Leonard, Nicholas Batum. Yeah, Jason Preston. Come on, Just, oh, for, Jason Preston's gonna be uh, Jason Preston. Superstar. Yeah, when he comes back, we're gonna probably go ten and zero, and then 
who's going to be asking for a facilitator when you have Jason Preston on the team? Right. So I, I, we're good. Do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, let's win some games. <laughs> right. Like everyone talks about the January schedule, but it gets a little, it gets a little uh, BSE toward the, toward the end of this month. So hopefully we yeah. get some wins to get some padding before the January stretch. When's that Nets and Mavs back to back? Cause I think I'm going to have a stroke that day. <laughs> there's there's a nuggets oh, nets. There is that the one you're talking about yeah the nuggets uh nets is the day after christmas and then the day after and then the clippers are going to have to spend uh their new year's eve in toronto or actually they'll be spending it in brooklyn probably because they're going to have to go from toronto to brooklyn so i'm assuming that Either they're going to spin it in an airport or they're going to spin it in Brooklyn, which I think is messed up. Carries out, going to New, Year's, New Year's Eve parties and not playing with the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but the thing is, like, we're getting closer to January. If we could just survive January. And hopefully, you know what? Like I said, we went one and four this week and we're, we're we went back one spot in the standings, I feel like. <clears throat> one you know, and four, and we beat the team that matters the most. All right. Yeah. Lakers, so Just yeah, screw the Lakers. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could find this podcast anywhere you can find your podcast, subscribe to it. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LA Clips Forum. Any final thoughts, Jesse? Go Clippers, go Clippers, and we're out friends from college talking about what so, so it's pretty funny because after i beat the lake after we beat the lakers i was looking for that kendrick perkins tweet because he tweeted out that this was the turning point where the clip where the lakers are going to turn it all around during that isaac during that uh pistons fight and i went to go look for it and he deleted it and i, <laughs> I couldn't find it this is, <laughs> i guess he saw the rest of the games he was like oh, wow I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Clipper fans also need to realize that the Lakers also suck. And <laughs> and there's something in that as well. And yeah, I, I mean, Kendrick Nunn is not yeah. <laughs> it's not their star. It's not, it's not like if like Justice Winslow was out, we'd be like, oh, no, we weren't healthy. Like, no, we'd say we were completely healthy even if Justice <laughs> Winslow was out. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Lakers suck, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>